0: All right, so in the realm of fatherhood, I read a lot of um, material on this. Not as much books, uh, but definitely articles. I read lots of tweets on this because people can just succinctly throw stuff in there. And for me, I can glance at it and be reminded, oh yeah, this is really good. It's really funny when there are tweets and it's like, don't look at your phone. I'm like, but I'm looking at my phone to read the tweet to remind me not to look at my phone. But there's all sorts of information out there. but I'll tell you, there is nothing as solid and as, as, um, uh, that will hold up over the test of time than God's word regarding this topic. And so today we get scripture to teach us uh, on what we need to know regarding wisdom and fatherhood. And I wanna begin with this, uh, <clears throat> with this uh, main idea here, uh, not out of Proverbs, but out of Joshua. Joshua 24, uh, the general Joshua wrote this. He said, as for me and my house, or me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I think that should set the tone for the role a father plays in his home, particularly a Christian father. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I think a father in many ways is like a household thermostat. And I like that imagery just because already Fathers are stereotypically known for controlling the thermostat, literally in their house, you know. They like stand guard in the winter or the summer and like keep it, keep it where it is. Close the door, you're letting the air out, you know, one way or the other. And it's like it's like it's like a it's a dad thing. I don't know. And so of all you know, we think about that already physically, but spiritually, we set the temperature, we set the tone. Fathers set the family values with their words but far more with their actions. I would even say this could be demonstrated. Now I know there's exceptions but I think it's even demonstrated you can have a godly mother who is striving to train her children unto the ways of the Lord. And then if you have a father who is uh, contradictory to that same instruction, the father's uh, behavior will override that over and over again. Those are the conversations I have with our students or our children, they're looking to their dad for does he also uphold this and live this way? Men, have we established the spiritual climate of our home? Can we say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord? Now this can take different, different behaviors, this includes we pray as a home, we give as a, as a home, we talk uh, as a home that serves the Lord. You know, We serve with our, with our actions, with our time, as we serve the Lord. We will live as those fully surrendered to the Lord. I think Joshua 24 is fantastic, and he of all men knew what it meant to be a man that lived after wholeheartedly and in full trust to God. Another passage that describes this idea of men being God's thermostat in the home would be from Colossians 3. Colossians says it this way. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. I'll reread that one. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. And then children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. This passage, it also mimics a lot of the language in Ephesians five. Now, scripture speaks of, uh, of biblical authority in the home. Essentially, children, you submit to and you obey your parents. And then above that, you have a wife who is in submission to her husband and the husband who is in submission to Jesus Christ. So men, we, we recognize that we set the tone in our family. Now obviously there is a lot of partnership that happens within a within a couple navigating the means and the direction of a family. I defer all the time to my wife to cultivate all the all the elements of our home that make it uh physically beautiful. She's far more uh into how the house looks and I could live in a box. I'm pretty more and more convinced. But even the uh just the Watching her raise and be involved with and love our children, I am always learning. She does naturally, inherently. Um, It comes easier to her than to me. But we as the men still set a tone I think I'm gonna talk on the ladies' dynamic in another sermon on Proverbs 31, so we'll, we'll save the rest of that for then, for our time. How about you guys ask yourself questions like this? Am I more passionate about ensuring my house is at 68 degrees, or am I more passionate to ensure my house is set apart for God? Is my household holy, undefiled, Honoring, unified, exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit, and loving our Lord with all of our hearts and our souls and our mind and our strength. Is that my priority? When I read Proverbs, I see no acceptable alternative to that kind of mindset. So to equip you on how to set the temperature in your home, let us look at two different principles on fatherhood and then also I'm gonna look at two principles for us as children. I know there's several children in the room who might be students and also in a sense, we are children before our Heavenly Father. So there's, there's good takeaways there too. So two principles for fathers. First of all, wise fatherhood begins with your relationship with God. Wise fatherhood begins with your relationship with God. And I, I emphasize this because again, there are fantastic uh, books or articles or other things, ways to raise your child in this way or that way or whatever it may be. But against scripture, I don't think at all that they would rise above that. Uh, scripture takes the, the primary lane of get this foundation right, and the rest you can apply as needed. So listen to Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So your relationship with God is paramount in your successful parenting. Your pursuit of God, it is like a deep well of living water that you draw from every day. Every conversation you have, every interaction you have, you are pulling from that source with God. It's from being filled by God that you can then pour out. And it's from walking in God's righteousness that your children can learn also how to honor the Lord and walk in his righteousness. Proverbs 20, verse seven says, the righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Friends, we must be those who pursue God's righteousness for us to even begin to exhibit or instruct this to our children. One of the gifts that I have is knowing my father and then also knowing my father-in-law. Both men are followers of Jesus Christ, which is a a great blessing to our home. Now my dad, he is a second generation Christian. What I mean by that is it's his parents who met Christ and uh, particularly his dad. I think his mom's side goes back farther, but his dad met Christ when he was a teenager, so his upbringing wasn't Christian, and his dad had to figure out all these things on his own. And there were some great things, and there were some, you know, some struggles. So my dad had to uh, pick up the different pieces that would have been a, would have been gaps in my grandpa's spiritual walk, and I am a benefactor of both of those men really cutting their teeth on what that looks like, and I've been able to then strive to pass that on well to my own son, you know, kind of learning that. Now, my father-in-law, he came to Christ when he was uh, either late teens or early 20s. His family is not Christian. He didn't learn any of this. So his primary source to know what it means to be a godly man and a godly husband and a godly father is the Bible. Yes, he learned other things. He listened to all sorts of sermons and all sorts of books. Like, you can learn these things. However, he had to learn from God himself himself our Heavenly Father, what it means to be an earthly father, because he never learned that. I share both of those because most of us in the room can relate to that. You are either the very first man who is a Christian in your home, and you're like, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Okay. <laughs> Because uh, God will lead you. Or maybe you did learn some stuff from your dad, but you also learned a whole bunch of other stuff. And you're like, well, I don't really know um, what is right. I don't know how to discern what was appropriate or not, you know, depending on some stuff. Or there's just a lot of family baggage. Well, you have God's word to guide you. Again, you have community, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about that. But we have one another. We can learn from one another, but primarily you have God's word. What a wonderful blessing. And so I encourage you... That if you're saying, hey, I just don't know what to do with this, then look to the founder and the perfecter of your faith, Jesus Christ, and allow yourself to learn from God himself. Now, Proverbs 14, 26, it says, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. I know several people who might not have real confidence in being a father. You you see this a lot with those who are uh, fathers of a newborn, uh, like the first one, and they're like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And you can kind of see the distinction in the hospital. I was much different with our first one than the third one. Like the first one we roll into the hospital with like all the gear. By the third one, like the car seat wasn't even like, like it was in the back. I like dragged it in like the last day we needed it. And it's like, I was like, yeah, we haven't even done, like the thing's all nasty from the other kids. And it was like, (laughs) like we're putting this newborn in this thing and just like, it's like, yeah, it'll be fine. We just gotta get her home. and there's just kind of a difference in say the confidence of what you're, you know, because of experience and stuff. But whether it's with a newborn or then, uh, in our case, we're having kids going into elementary age. Some of you, your kids are going in, they're teenagers or college or they're adults now and you're like, I just have never done this season before. And it can stir within you a sense of, uh, I don't know, maybe anxiety in one way or another. Hey, I love this proverb. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. You can walk with confidence in this uh, because God will guide you and trust that he will be the one to do it. Think of it this way, uh, for those of you, particularly if you're younger, but maybe even up to, as long as they're in your home. Remember, God has, has uh, he, he knows your child. He has built your child. Some, several of you have adopted children, but several of you also have uh, uh, children that you you know created in the womb. And so like, yes, God used you to assemble that, DNA and all that kind of stuff, but God knows that child. And so if he knows that child's strengths and weaknesses, he knows your strengths and weaknesses and everything else that you're bringing to the table, well then let us look to God for full dependency. Let us beg him to build us into the men who love him and fear him, so then we can train our children to do the same. And so I encourage you to seek God. Seek him for wisdom. Walk in the confidence that you have from the strong foundation of him in your life and in your home. Again, think of the difference between the, the man who built his home on the rock versus the uh, sand, and the sand just washes away. There is no good foundation. None of you would build a house on sand or something that would be, you know, you guys are, a lot of you are builders, you know, like, and you would never do that. I put a shed on something that wasn't that good. I'm like, it's not a big deal, it's a shed. Yeah, that was a mistake. Get a good foundation, even if you're making a birdhouse. And so, so we would have a strong foundation in these areas. You also need this in your fatherhood, in your marriage, and in your life, and that begins with being on the rock. So if you need wisdom, I encourage you to pray the promise here of James 1.5. It says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Okay, so that's your first principle. Wise fatherhood begins with your relationship with God. Every time, I'll go back to that before I say, hey, just read this book. If I hand you a book, it's the Bible. And it's like, read this. Know God, he will guide you. Secondly, wise fatherhood prioritizes training children. Okay, wise fatherhood prioritizes training children. Proverbs 22, 6 It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. We have a responsibility uh, like no other. As in, you can outsource a lot of stuff. I mentioned building. You can get somebody else to build something for you, even if you are a builder. Uh, But you can't get somebody else to be the father of your children. Proverbs 27, 23, I like this regarding fatherhood. It says, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. Now this is talking to shepherds, The scripture, and we talk about shepherds a lot regarding our church leadership. Well, fathers, have you ever viewed yourself as a shepherd? I think you should. In the same way that shepherds feed and lead and guide and Protect and guard and nurture and care for their flock, so a father does with his children and with his household. Vodi Bachman is a preacher and he wrote a book on fatherhood and he entitled it Family Shepherds. And I love it because he walks through all these different principles on what it looks like to be a man that actually embraces a divine call of of fatherhood. And when you abdicate that as an individual, it causes a great distress and, and great uh, fallout within your family. And then, you know, Vodi Bachman was writing it more so even on a generational scale, on a society scale. And when you have the majority, and literally we live in a society where the majority of men are abdicating from their call as fathers, and then you have all sorts of fallout regarding how a society is uh, built. Well, one theologian along these lines, he he, uh, lived over 100 years ago, but he wrote, the head of the family, I have this quote on the screen, the head of the family should be able to read the scriptures as well as lead the prayer. A man's responsibility to his children as well as to God binds him to make his house a Bethel. a place of worship. If not a Bethel, it will be a dwelling place of evil spirits. Friends, I think it's a helpful reminder. What will your home worship? Will it be the almighty God or will it be some sort of idol, something else? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? That is what we want to remember this morning. Now, we can teach our kids to throw and catch a ball. We can teach our kids to make peanut butter and jelly. I have yet to way into that territory yet, because it would get everywhere <laughs> with my one and my four-year-old. But, uh, you know, one life lesson is, uh, is no important. Um, one life lesson that is uh, the most important would be what it means to know God and how to worship him with a whole heart, the way Joshua did. Listen to Ephesians six four. Ephesians six says, "Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger," and then it continues, "But bring up them, or bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord." Here you have two angles there: the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. I think that several of us might uh, use this, and they uh, you only remember the discipline of the Lord component. You forget the instruction of the Lord as well. And so I wanna encourage you uh, as you parent to parent with long-term outcomes in mind. So not just the, short com- uh, the short-term um, win and not just the in-the-moment scenario, like a Band-Aid to address it. We all have those situations. But bigger, uh, think about the habits that are being formed and the lifestyle that is being built, namely what you are emulating and how that will be um, Uh, slowly reenacted and lived out in their lives, answer this question, who does God want us to be? Proverbs 23, 24 says, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Well friends, that doesn't happen by accident. We must build wisdom into our lives, but then also into the lives of our children. There's an element with this instruction that you can't really pass on what you don't know. Uh, specifically, a walk with God. You can't model or teach what you personally do not know. So why can you say, we're gonna be a family that trusts the Lord on this? It's because you actually trust the Lord. Now you, you, you may be like that, that man here in the New Testament who says, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I'm there a lot where I'm like, I believe to the extent I can, but I, you know, I got some unbelief in areas. I need help. I can't fully trust in areas. God, I need your help. But to the degree I can trust in this situation, hey, uh, in my case, Lynn and the kids, we're gonna trust. Where you teach your children. A lot of you are doing this with your kids who are teenagers who are starting to make adult decisions, but they're in little bodies, right? And it's like, this is interesting, new territory. It could be something like uh, they're, they're juniors or seniors in high school, and they're thinking through next steps. Those are huge decisions. And, uh, and then even before that, well, you get to help them discover what it looks like to trust. And in your shoes, at least from what I've been told, and what I experienced with my parents to me, they wanted to intervene (laughs) with certain things and say, please don't do this or that. And uh, sometimes they had to watch me also discover what it means to trust the Lord in that situation or have faith or what it may not be. Sometimes they, especially younger in high school, they intervened and they stopped something because they protected me where I was too foolish to protect myself. But as I got older, they slowly gave me a little more freedom to discover that. Particularly as I got 18 and up, you know, I got out of the house. I think about this because I think about how my father in law. So he can show me all these mechanical elements in the engine bay. This is his, his, his background, and um, he can walk me through that because he knows all these things. Now, I don't know most of that, and I can't even remember most of that. And so, I'm not going to be like, "Hey, Roman, and my son, who's five. Uh, hey, here's how this works." I can show him some of the basics, especially at his level. But um, more than that, would be like, we gotta get Grandpa in here. He knows this stuff. And so let's have him show you, walk you through this. And I'm also gonna be taking mental notes as well. Well, for us, when it comes to knowing God and growing in his likeness, the reason you can teach your children to pray is because you pray. The reason you can teach your children... Um, the, the importance of a certain memory verse is because you've memorized it and you've seen how you needed that in the heat of the moment in one way or another. Psalm 127 verse four says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. You know, if you really want your children to be like arrows in your hands, then let's prioritize them or let's prioritize training them uh, for the good and for the godly matters that they need. And I think as we do that over the course of time, then we can see the fruition of Proverbs like this, 17.6. A lot of you love to read this one to me. It says, grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and glory of children is their fathers. And there's something pretty special about that, particularly as your children or your grandchildren know God and walk in his ways. All right, so those are two principles we have for us as fathers, fathers. Uh, The first is that wise fatherhood begins with your relationship with God. And then secondly, wise fatherhood prioritizes training children. Now, I want to shift our attention to think about principles as children. Most, I know all of you, uh, most of you in here are adults or adult season, you know, like older students and stuff. And so you're like, you know, you're not really a child. However, before... Our God, we are children and we're always learning from him, so these are drawn from that. But then also, these are good reminders for us as we're talking to our children and give us uh, some good affirmation on on what it is we're doing and why we're doing it. So the first principle for children is that discipline is for our good. Uh, Discipline is for our good. Proverbs 3.11 says... And and verse 12, it says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Two more verses with this. Uh, chapter 12, verse one, it says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. I know you're like, you tell your kids not to say that word. And they'll be like, well, it's in the Bible. Right. That's That's great. Thanks, kids. Yeah. Proverbs 13.1, it says, uh, and this is the, the, the last proverb here on this, a wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Over and over again in Scripture, definitely in Proverbs, we see this difference between those who receive discipline and those who do not. You know this as parents, and just like, if you got one kid that receives the discipline, it just ends right there, all like, right, great. You served your time, right? Did the crime, served the time. And then if you have one that keeps pushing back on that, well, then it just escalates, and it just gets worse, and they get more angry, and they're not learning the lesson. Now, we all make mistakes, and we all need correction, and we all need reproof. This is true for us as children of God. So all of us today or this week will experience, kind of on the spectrum of things, the, the refinement of God, the correction of God, the, potentially the rebuke and the reproof from God, both his word or one another, as we are a healthy church family. I share this with you because you know, like this isn't just applicable to your kids. You, let me encourage you to receive the correction of God on your life. It will be for your good and also for, um, to, you know, to, limit the, uh, to limit the pain. So God sharpens us. He rebukes us. He makes us more and more into the image of Christ. And we can all experience that. But this is also true for our children, our earthly kids, right? They need to be corrected. They need to be told no. They need to be explained. Um, to have the explanation to them on why certain behavior is inappropriate or unacceptable. Just yesterday, I believe, sometimes the times mix up in my head, but last day or two, oh, my oldest, uh, he is now become, uh, basically, I'm trying to think how to summarize this well, particularly if he watches this you know, in like five years, but he's like, what did dad preach on Father's Day when, when I was a kid? Um, My kids are all really, they're all young, five and under, and they just wrestle, mess around, have a lot of fun. It's fun watching them in their age group. It's super hectic in our house, and then we still have all those kittens I've mentioned before, and it's like, (laughs) it's nuts, right? Well, yesterday, it was yesterday, uh, Roman just, he did something that, while it may have been acceptable when he was three, and his sister was two, and then there was a baby, Um, It's not acceptable anymore, and so I was explaining to him how to respect his sisters and how to um, interact with them. And you know, you are now becoming—you're a a little boy. You're growing up. You're no longer one. What you saw Cedar do, who's one, you can't do. Um, anymore. And he was just taking it in. We're talking through it. And I was trying to run that line of like being very specific about what happened, but also not like shaming him and letting him know like how we walk, how we do. And he was just taking it. And it's probably a lesson we're going to have to revisit several times. But basically, if that's not, if that doesn't happen from me to him at this age, when it occurs, it's going to continue. He's going to do it when he's like eight or when he's 12 or when he's 15. And you know, then if you start getting older, you're gonna get suspended from school or something. You can't just grab your sister by the head and throw her to the ground, right? So <laughs> there, there are some things you just, you gotta stop doing. So we talked, we talked through some of that, and, um, and it was good. And so I wanna encourage you just in regards to discipline, remember, it is for our good, and it also, it's good for us to give that. Uh, a lot of scripture has lots of parameters on what is healthy and balanced and important with that. But I'm gonna continue and we're gonna uh, wrap up here. The second uh, principle for us here would be that uh, as children, those receiving this from our Heavenly Father or those of you who are kids in here and listening to this, you need to cultivate a lifestyle of wisdom and not foolishness. And so most of you in here, um, if you're children, you're a student because the other ones are on the other side. And so you who are like 12 to 18, Cultivate a lifestyle of wisdom, not foolishness. A wise lifestyle doesn't happen by accident and it does not happen by coincidence. It is built over time, a lot like humility is too. A life of wisdom uh, must have seeds planted, right? Wise seeds planted in your life, and then you give those seeds water and sunlight so they can grow and they can mature in your life. So the seeds of wisdom is God's word implanted on your heart. And then that water and that sunlight, it's the spiritual lessons that you learn from scripture, from parents and mentors, and also, uh, from personally cultivating the spiritual disciplines of reading the word and prayer and worship and service and fellowship, God uses those as a means to deepen and strengthen your wisdom. And so if you are a student in here or college age or something, you, you have most of your life just been receiving wisdom from others, uh, now it's time to begin to cultivate that in your life and not just be a recipient of wisdom, but to stir it and fight for that and to build that Uh, into your life. Proverbs 3, I've got two Proverbs, three and four are really good on this. So the first few verses of Proverbs 3 says this way. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Uh, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And then also Proverbs 4 starts off this way. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. And the verse 5 says, get wisdom. Like, just go get it. A lot of you are telling your kids what to get. You know, go get some money, go make some money. Well, get wisdom, get insight do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. So we have to cultivate a lifestyle of wisdom. And, and if we do not, uh, your default setting will be foolishness. It's just, it's because you're prone to. And uh, and not just as a teenager, uh, but even as adults, right? As children of God, let us cultivate a lifestyle of wisdom. I want you to hear the contrast between a wise son versus a foolish son, and this alone should propel our hearts to say, "I want to be a wise son or daughter." Uh, Proverbs 10:1 says, "A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother." Now listen to these verses on foolishness. Proverbs 20, verse 13. It says, a foolish son is a ruin to his father. And also, chapter 17, 25, a foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Now, there's a few other proverbs, but those are, those are the, uh, some of the better ones that convey this. There is a difference between a wise child and a foolish child, and... Uh, Much of our ministry as a church is working uh, with those two extremes. And so I wanna encourage you, if you're a child in here, uh, that is to cultivate a lifestyle of wisdom. And uh, in many ways you can do this by watching and learning from godly parents. Uh, Hopefully those are your parents. I recognize it's not always. Um, And so you can also look to other parents, you can learn from others. But last, last proverb for us this morning is Proverbs 23, 22. It says, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. I think it is incredibly important for us as children, both before our heavenly father, and then also what we are teaching our children, what our children are receiving, and those of you who are kids to be reminded that discipline is for your good, and that you must, uh, with great urgency, you must. It, it is not a. It is not an optional thing. It's not going to happen by accident. You must cultivate wisdom in your life. And so, uh, as we conclude with these, I, I like us to pray for the men uh, who are fathers in our congregation. And so, Maddie, if you'd come on up here to.